1: Hi, this is Allison Arngrim. You know me as Evil Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie, and I'm talking to you now with Jim and Florence on the phone.
0: Hi everyone, this is Jim Jackson. Welcome to the forum. We're very excited. We have a lot of things. You guys gave a lot of feedback for Don Most and Richard, Robert Wool, and we just had a blast with those guys. They were so much fun. Thank you for responding. The overwhelming response to their video on YouTube was amazing. They're now in the works to do more because of your response. So they were very funny and very great guys off the air. So we really appreciated Robert and Don Most coming on, uh, two iconic people from the past that we've really appreciated and also how are you doing my co-host the great florence and wow was there a response to your interview you are so famous right now my gosh i feel honored what an amazing outpouring of support
1: i want to give a shout out to lily from our inner spark she did an amazing she actually interviewed me which is a cute thing always interviewing celebrities so it was such a wonderful interview and lily it's just fantastic. She's a professional and she's kind and wonderful. And I have to say, I was blown away by the response. I can't believe how many YouTube views this interview has gotten. It's just it's, it's so surprising and so humbling and I'm so grateful for the response. So thank you everyone who went to YouTube and who uh, watched the episode with me on Our Inner Sparks. I know Lily's very grateful as well. So I just wanna say thank you to everyone who viewed. But um, yeah, we have an amazing guest though today. She is multi-talented and I mean, she does it all. Her name is Stacy Pressman. She's a stand-up comedian, an actress, and a radio show host. She does the Pressman Hour. And she's also running for New York City mayor. So, Stacey is just a busy, busy woman doing a lot of great things. So, hey, Stacey, thank you for being on the forum. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here on the forum.
2: Uh, you're, you're, I was listening to you guys have, have some great guests. So, sorry to have me on it, but uh,
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> No, no.
0: Stacy, we're honored. Stacy, the only thing the only thing I'm worried about, Stacy, is what in the world made you want to run for mayor of New York City?
2: Um, uh, voices in my head told me to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I took some mushrooms and then I said, "You yep. know what? I think I want to run for mayor." <laughs> uh, no, what happened was, I think a couple of years ago, we—I was doing a, a radio show with, a, with the Reverend Bob Levy um, sure. on Terrestrial Radio, and we—I was—I I said I want to run for mayor, and we, it became like a, a, a like a, a thing I really wanted to do, but it was like kind of like half joking, but I didn't want to say I really want to do it. And this was like 2000, uh, I guess 14, 15 around then. I was doing the radio show, and so we just kind of like laughed it off, whatever. And then I've been thinking, you know, the last couple of years, I've been talking to people and getting more involved. And I've always been kind of involved in politics in some way or another and an activist. And I'm like, I just felt like under these circumstances and my political views and how I feel about things that I could make a difference. And I could help run this city, New York City, in much better than it's being run. And I feel that time that I take an action and I run for mayor. <laughs> and sure. that's the reason why I want to run for mayor
0: what made you want to be a libertarian over being a Democrat and a Republican
2: I feel like the two-party system has totally divided us a um, b I think that we need less government and more personal responsibility I think it works better I don't think people like to be told what to do I think they want to make the choices they need to make for themselves I think that there's a lot of bureaucracy in government right now and that needs to be cut down a lot we're living in a different world I think as well and I think people are working it's more of a, an economy where people are having their own businesses. They're, they're the more gig economy. It's no longer people working for one employer their whole life. Mm-hmm. It's just changing. And I think that the Libertarian Party, they're more purist, I believe, in, that, in, in terms of what I, the U, U.S. is supposed to be. And I think that I feel – and I think they bring the two parties together in a way. Like they're not – they're, they're, anyone could be a Libertarian. You could be leftist or rightist or whatever you want to call yourself centrist. And so you could sort of fit your views because you're allowed to be who you are in that party. And I think it's less dividing and more um, unifying.
0: I think uh, what I like about it or the green Party, or anything it. I think the problem with a lot of people is they don't think for themselves it's kind of like party over principle someone could be Jack the Ripper but if he's a Democrat you blindly back him if you're a Democrat and if he's a Republican you blindly back him Yes. and, and I think it's kind of people threw their brains out the door and that's what I don't like about it. I'm a Democrat but I think of things in Republican uh, they there's some things that I think the Republicans do. Right. There's some things that I think the Democrats do. Right. So right. I'm, I agree totally with you. I think too many times it's party over principle. So I really like your, your point that, of view there. That's
2: funny. You said that. Cause I used to tweet that a lot. Party of when people are in the 12 step programs, it's, it's, mm-hmm. and, 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 um, I've been in them because I've had eating disorders and whatnot. I've no, and I have friends that are in addiction. I've worked in the addiction studies a lot, uh, doing lectures and all that. And there, there's a saying in the twelve step: it's principles over personalities, which is this, it's almost mm. the same thing you're saying. So the mm. principles need to come over the party, which is essentially the personality. When mm. I, whenever I hear that, you know, in the twelve step twelve traditions, I. I'm like, why isn't our politics like that? And that's why a lot of 12 steps run independently. They don't run, you know, you have a million different people with different political views in in a 12 step program and they're able to sit in a room and have a common denominator, which is addiction. But our common denominator and I hate to compare addiction to, like, you know, a, a, a country, but our common denominator is the better good of our country and our you know our lot, which is, sure. you know, a microcosm. Um, I believe it's a micro, you know, these 12-step, you know, I was listening to the, the, the different uh, traditions, the 12-step programs, and I don't know what, what just came in my head right now, but 12-step programs are sort of like a microcosm for what's going on in our country, it, mm. it, what should be going on you know because you get these people together they're from all walks of life right like black white male female and they're they're all suffering from one thing and then they come together and they're able to heal so mm-hmm. why can't we do that as a nation
0: I agree too I think also I've seen some posts oh she it's just a comedian running for mayor and it's it's just kind of a publicity stunt but to me You've lived, you pro- You might be the only candidate, you've lived in er- every borough of New York, and you really relate to the people and what they feel, and I think that's something that you really bring to the table.
2: Well, I haven't lived in Staten Island, but I've been there okay. quite often. Um, I've stayed in the Bronx briefly, but not really. But I've been, yes, I've worked and lived in almost every borough. I've experienced New York life for over, since, you know, my whole entire life, except when I went to university for four years. So. so I was there, you know. I lived through 9 11. I lived in Manhattan during 9 11. I take the subway every day. I, um, I taxi cabs. I take Ubers. I travel. You know, I, I've used, you know, the DMV. I, I know how things work. I've been in, had to apply for, you know, unemployment benefits. So I understand. Sure. I've understood. I understand the city and I've been in, I, I've worked in the schools. I actually do substitute teaching part time when um, the schools are open. Oh, So. Yeah, so I I, I see the education system and how it's changed and and, and how horrific it's turned into, um, even the private schools, it's shocking to me. I have taught in private schools and it's, uh, that wasn't even that great. So mm-hmm. I'm surprised at what has happened and how they, they have this common core teaching, which I don't really totally understand why they went that <laughs> direction. Yep. Um, I don't have children, many- but I do teach them. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of issues I, I have in the city that I, I am a native New Yorker and I've experienced so many, as you said, so many facets of this city, uh, the inside out (laughs) our infrastructure is a mess um you go into a building like the the department of education when i went to get fingerprinted it was like what am i in 1945 i mean (laughs) the
1: the computers (laughs)
2: were like like those yellow kind of like you know plasticky screens and i'm like well we got to update our like society. We got to up, you know. We're the biggest city in the world, like the, you know, supposedly, and we're like,
1: you know, our infrastructure is like very old, it's like eighties. Yeah. It has like an eighties feel to it still. Wow. You walk into yeah. yeah, I I agree with everything you said. I'm in Connecticut, so I'm I'm your okay. neighbor. Okay. Hey, and I love Connecticut. Saying, yeah. Yeah, everything you're saying there applies here as well so i I do completely understand and i know everyone's going through a really hard time now with the virus and quarantining and and having to work from home well we know that not everybody is able to work from home and i know that you got your start as an actress doing stand-up comedy and doing the new york comedy circuit and obviously now you're a radio show host but how did you get started in all that. Yeah, I'm on a uh, um, uh,
2: radio misfits podcast network. I was an actress. I started acting at, at right out. Of, it, I took. I was a theater major in, in college, and um, I did a lot of theater and some uh, films. A lot in the '90s, and then not so much after. But I still act, and I did. I, I've done like the vagina monologs i I've done a bunch of plays. I did, I did Grandma Sylvia's funeral again. Uh, recently more recent in florida but i started doing stand-up comedy after i recovered from my eating disorder Mm -hmm. in like 2002 because i wanted to be able to have my own voice i wanted to be able to tell my own jokes be able to cast myself not have to depend on someone else to cast me and i just started doing it from there and i was on the road within a year and i was touring within like the first actually the first year i started doing stand-up i was already touring featuring an opening for, and then I started doing it in, all over Manhattan obviously and that's how it started <laughs> that's how the disaster started
0: <laughs> <laughs> now where is your love is you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades seems like you're accomplished in so many fields is there anything that really is your passion that you really is it acting is it politics is it <laughs> comedy what where do you think your passion really is
2: well i have a lot of passions i for different reasons i think my passions lie in mm-hmm. making Making things better, but I—I I, maybe that's politics, but. I, I'm really into animal rescue too. Uh, uh but my passions, I guess, career wise, would be um probably politics right now. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously radio and being an orator, I would say. Yeah, now, expressing Emma, views and things like that.
0: We've we've had a lot of the thing that I liked, and you're the only politician I've ever well now I can call you a politician, but you're the only <laughs> politician that I've listened to that talked about and I'm not a tree hugger, I'm not a PETA member. I'm, I'm not a vegan, but even being in California, uh, <laughs> but I, I loved your stance and your talk when, when other people have asked you what is kind of your platform, what are things that you'd like to change. One of the first things you talk about is animal abuse and the way we treat animals because we're seeing some horrible things people are doing to animals yes. and just mm-hmm. abandoning i know a doctor that abandoned dogs and uh, oh my god it, it was just horrible and i blackballed the guy because he just uh, it, that's to me is just horrific talk about your passion yes. for animals and why I've, it's so important
2: well i mean i i've been a huge animal rights activist um i i I'm a vegetarian. Uh, some days I do vegan. I mostly I don't really eat flesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like a vampire. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I don't eat flesh, at least the people that are dead. Anyway, um, but <laughs> we're animal <laughs> lizard. But uh, I don't eat flesh. And um, my view is that I think that people lose sight of where their food comes from. Just mm-hmm. as, you know, like even to give acknowledgement, if you aren't a vegetarian or a vegan like this came from a being that was alive at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is even just that acknowledgment is important. I think if they that if even one person did that, then they could at least understand that maybe factory farming isn't the way to go. Yep. Um, we've gotten so into the profit of food that we forget that there's there's like living being that we're eating and we're mm-hmm. we're supposed to be an evolved society. Mm-hmm. It's 2020 and we're still like treating our animals like that and they don't have a voice they can't say stop they can't really some want some escape every once in a while and end up in a sanctuary but they don't have a voice they don't vote they don't you know they're hopeless, and we're it's it's and it's just it's almost satanic or something. It's almost like sociopathic to not think mm-hmm. about
0: them. Yeah, I think the lack especially of respect. If you know it.
2: Yeah, yeah. if you see it, if you see that this happening, how can you let this happen? These are living, breathing, feeling beings.
0: You Have to stop this. I I said if I was ever president, one of the first things I'd do is make it a federal crime if you purposely hurt an animal that way. You need to go to jail. I mean that because you look at serial killers, you look at murderers, you look at abusers of of domestic violence, many of them have histories of animal abuse. And you need to stop you need to stop that right then and there. So I loved your view on that. That was fantastic shout out to Gigi and all the all the great people and, and Michelle. Dr. Michelle, UConn Vet, we've we've interviewed them and they're so, they do so much good work for animals. So shout out to those guys and all of you that are are supporting the animals. Now, one thing that I think also, what would you do in today's society when people are being told to shelter in place? Do you think the government does have a responsibility or the right to tell you not to do it? Or do you think it should just be a suggestion and people choose?
2: You know, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place living in New York and seeing the horrific Mm -hmm. things that are going on in hospitals right now and they're over and having friends like that are working in the medical fields and risking you know risking their lives and and the first responders my friends are my one of my friends is a lieutenant my friend James is a lieutenant in the fire department um it's like it's like their jobs are so hard and I don't believe the government should tell you what to do but this is unprecedented and Mm -hmm. they were, and our government wasn't prepared. This was, this is like, hasn't happened since the pandemic and in like 1918, the uh, Spanish flu. So Mm -hmm. I don't think we were prepared for a disease like Mm that, that we didn't have our, our our stuff in place. And by the way, this disease might've not happened. if There wasn't wet markets and stuff. So, (laughs) you know, a lot of these diseases come from animals and the the swine flu, the, the bird flu, a lot of these are, trans, you know, these are mutated viruses from animals. So, it's the world telling us to be kind of animals. You know, it's not no. to eat them and abuse them. I mean, it's like nature takes care of itself. I, I, mm-hmm. this, that's my belief. I don't know. I, I You know, I'm caught I'm in between. I, I don't think the government should say, I think it should be a suggestion, but at the same mm-hmm. time, what happens if people just start gathering and then the, the epidemic is worse and then everyone gets really sick and then everyone, the, the entire hospital system is over flooded and and then people, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think you know, I, I think that we don't have a we didn't have a plan in place. So the government had no choice but to be Nazis. I i, I don't yeah. know. I'm very c I am very do not I don't like it, you know. I don't like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm choosing to quarantine because I mm-hmm. I know it's best for my, my family yeah. and, and whatnot, but I don't know if I believe the government has a right, though mm-hmm. I but I also don't know if people understand the severity of the situation either. So I think yeah. it's, it's a it's a very, very hard decision. It's hard for whatever your political mm-hmm. views are it's a hard it's not I don't believe you know what it is it's not political it's, it's medical. That's mm-hmm. how I'm looking at it. It's not a political statement its it's a medical. I, agree. I think yeah. people cannot politicize this disease at this point except you know money needs to go into ending it, obviously, and voting as much and getting as much of the best scientists to end the, the disease however they can, either through immunization, testing, uh, antibodies, whatever the, the people need to do. But um, research, because they don't even understand it, they're finding out all these things every day about it, how it works. It's not like the flu at all, except no. that, you know, maybe it's, a little, it's not like the flu, it's very different, which is, they should have never made that comparison. Because mm-hmm. uh, people, are, it's like the flu! No, it's not. You know, yeah. it, it's not, it reacts differently with healthy
0: people. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not going to say the five letter word that uh, I hate. Uh, I think leadership all around, we just have too many chefs and not enough soldiers uh, not enough workers i think there's too many leaders going in different directions there's no set plan and when you have poor leadership and this is why being in government is so important having good leadership is that you listen to people i I tell people all the time there's six million people that have been tested there's 330 million people in the united states we have no idea who's infected who's not infected no you should go to work yeah and
2: now, now, like, you know, the crazy thing is, like, the, we have, like, all these urgent care centers, like, come in for a test. You know, it's like there's no rhyme or reason. It, it, people, Some people want to get tested, they'll get tested. And that's, I don't, you know, mandatory testing, I don't know. Again, that's telling people what to do. But if you want to end this thing, you get tested. And then you yep. find out who's negative, who's positive, who, you know, hey, who might have had it, antibody tests, just get as much. We don't have enough, people aren't getting enough information, like, medically. Like, doctors need to step up. You know, in terms of as they, I don't know. If it was me, I would hire like 300 doctors, all different, you know, elks and different, you know, in the in the field of you know medicine that would see, you know, infectious diseases and Mm -hmm. and immunity, and I would just get them a think tank going, and that would and that and doing research and put all that money into it. I think it would end this this disease pretty quickly. (laughs) I would get as many doctors as I can to work on this that our uh, experience in the field and yeah. independently, and then come together as a think tank. That's what when I would
0: do. Cu- when country leadership gets involved from China to the United States, seems like politics plays such a role anymore. And uh, they, the first thing they should have done is, is done the military act and told all the labs, OK, all the nonsense, other stuff you're doing, you're going to test. This is it. Because it's also, who can do the test? You have people to do the test. Two, can you process the tests? Can you do actually physically do the testing and then processing it? Those are the three things that you have to do. And I would have made every lab just be totally into that because if you right. don't know if you don't know who's infected, you have no idea what you what to do. So uh, you look at the spring breakers in Texas; they went out seventy of them. Now forty-four are sick. Churches, there's pastors oh, really? that have they, died. I didn't know oh that. yeah. Okay. Oh, it's just it's horrible. So social. Di- you had the governor of Georgia t- uh, two and a half weeks ago said he didn't even know you could pass the uh, if you were asymptomatic you could pass the virus I mean you're having and these are elected officials I know
2: this I know this I know. oh this.
0: my god so this is why I am so I I stopped talking politics as I was mm-hmm. going to go into the ER with a heart condition if I didn't but the lack uh-huh. of leadership in our country and that's why we need people like Stacy we need other people it's shocking how how uneducated, how they're unintelligent and their and their reactions are purely for political gain, not for it to get reelected. Look at the mayor of <laughs> mayor, look at Dr. Oz. Oh, if we lose two to three percent of our kids, that's not bad. That will give our mojo back. I mean you have these insane views. I,
2: I'm surprised. I was I was surprised. I think I think doctors sometimes can be very cold and they're yeah I was surprised when Dr. Oz uh, said that it was like what we don't want to lose anybody mm-hmm. I mean that's I mean that's really crazy I mean I know there's loss and stuff but come on Dr. Oz I mean it's almost like that sounds like like I, I don't know why he would say something like that that's insane you know with his teeth he's It's so weird. I think
0: it's, you know, oh, grandma and grandpa should die because you want a good economy. And uh, I don't know. I don't want none of my relatives to die. And I don't I know you don't. No one else does. So I don't want Mm -hmm. to be sacrificed for for that. But uh, we don't want to get too much into it. But what do you think is your best quality for people thinking of voting for you? What is something that people would be very attracted to in regards to your personality, to regards to how you solve problems, how you look at problems. What are some of the strengths that you have?
2: That's a good question. Uh, some of my strengths in terms of being a mayor, and my, my personality, uh, that's a hard question, but an easy one, I guess. Um, I think I'm very good at listening. I'm a good listener. I'm not in it for political gain at all. I'm mm-hmm. really not. It's not coming from political. It's coming from really wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I understand people and I'm willing to take responsibility for my mistake. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. And I'm willing to ask, you know, to get the best advice from the best people. And, and I'm not just going to be a person who's just going to be like a power hungry monster. I want to actually get all the information and gather the best people on my team and make everything work better. That's really my view. And I think my best trait is that I'm very good at getting things done. When I want something done, I get it done. And having the best people around me will make it happen even more. And I won't stop until I do.
0: How can you get people? Because the one thing that you look at, I believe the last election was the lowest voter turnout in like 27 years, uh, 28 years, only 55 percent or 57 percent voted. How will you get your message out to people that aren't voting that they'll spend four hours talking about debates, but they won't take 10 minutes out to vote. What, what, do, you, what do you say to those people to get them motivated to vote for you?
2: Well, I'm going to, if they, well, the person I have to agree with my point of view, A, and if they want a person that's not just about politics, but about making their lives better mm-hmm. and making them, making the city run better than on the person to vote for, and you should vote. Your vote matters. Like I, I want to go into the, you know, I want to campaign and actually go into all the neighborhoods and speak to people and connect with people on a real, in a real way and explain, these are my views. I hope, you, you know, what, what are your concerns and really mm-hmm. reach out to the people and get them out to vote, mm-hmm. you know, make them excited about what my campaign is, make them excited about what, what my issues are and and get them on board that's that's the way to do it i mean you can't force people out of their houses but you can get them excited about what you have to but about what your campaign is about and if you can do that then they'll go out to vote they need to believe what in are,
0: what are a couple of the issues that you really want to tackle when if you become mayor
2: wow there's so many issues um well one of the main issues in new york obviously is um on is is homelessness which is it's rampant obviously mm-hmm. um I know. I know California, LA is. It's also rampant. But in New York, it's 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 really upsetting. We're in the richest city in the world, supposedly, and we have more homeless on the street than anywhere else. What? <clears throat> not probably not anywhere else, but more than we should have. And I think that it's never been tackled. You know, I, I get there would be one or two people that get drunk and they end up homeless or whatnot. You can't control everything situation. But like, you know, really, I think that needs to be eradicated. I think mm-hmm. that you know, it's. it's you know, these people are either addicted or have mental health issues. Let's get them help, first Mm -hmm. and foremost. I think there's a lot of stress in in New York City, a lot of stress, especially in New York City, because I'll be mayor of New York. So that is, and there's a lot of mental health issues. I see it every day, especially now it's coming out and mental health, I think, needs to be addressed as a part Mm -hmm. of health. And I know that sounds kind of, oh, you know, no, it's a real part of health. Mental health and physical health are all together. So we need to start, Really looking at that as a city, I think we need to make things run smoother. The, the transit needs to be, you know, much more together. I know they've been working on the trains, but it's still a disaster. The A train becomes a D train, becomes the F train, and that the MTA needs to totally get their stuff together. Education, definitely. One of the things I have a problem with, I go to school and kids are, have, you know, sitting there with their, their ear pods on. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? You know, I'm teaching a class. You can, you can have your ear pods, but you can't be in my classroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, the, I think that I think also when you w- go back to mental health, I, I'm in the I, I'm a respiratory care practitioner in a respiratory oh, wow. lab. And I used to be the uh, director of a hospital in respiratory care. So wow, all this virus is really freaking, it's really freaking out. We've lost a couple friends. And it's just so really, sorry. oh, yeah, thank you. It's just really been a, a tragic thing. But I think when you look back, the problem that i have with everything is when you privatize something it's more profit for the than the person and i think this is in the olden days they used to go to counseling they used to mentor people counsel them give them psychological help and now it's just cheap to give people pills And this is what bothers me a lot with the mental health system is we need to go back to where people have someone to talk to. People have someone to help them deal with problems, deal with issues. And I think that's just such a disservice to give these people high, powerful drugs that are addictive and then say, wow, you're a mess. Well, yeah, you made me a mess by giving me all these drugs. Help me. Right.
2: They overmedicate. They overmedicate. They they overdose people. So rather than giving them a point five dosage of a medicine, they'll give them one one milligram or two milligrams. I've seen it happen to friends. Uh, so, thing, yes, they do they do that a lot. They overdose. They don't. They don't. They're not careful with how they give out medicine to people, and then people don't continue taking their medicine if they do need it because no one's there to watch them. So the, if you're mentally ill and you need, you know, you're schizophrenic and you need medication, you stop taking it, you're in trouble. Yep. And then you end up back on the streets again. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's double edged sword for everything. And community the thing about being in isolation right now is so dangerous because, um, people need each other. Like that's how it yep. works. And this, you know, and it's like, you know, for comfort, for help. I mean, some people like to be isolated, but when you want to be with people and you can't, it's very, very it create a huge amount of depression. Now mm-hmm. when this is over, hopefully soon, um, you know, hopefully when this is over, people will be able to, you know, come out again. But there's going to be a lot of, you know, PTSD coming because people are going to be like, I don't want to touch this person. I don't want to be near this person. Uh, My grandmother, my mother, my friend died from COVID. How, You know, I don't want, you know, now there's going to be this kind of like Mm fear amongst people. I think, you know, especially people who are prone to that and how are we going to address that? It's, you know, I remember after nine eleven, I was terrified to go on the train. I was terrified to go to into an office building for many, many years. It took a long time to get over that that fear. So, um, and a lot of my friends as well and family. So it wasn't just me. I, I saw it as a you know, collective consciousness in New York City. And I think it's going to happen again. So in a different form, obviously. And we've lost more people from COVID than we've lost in Vietnam, you know, and mm-hmm. 9-11. And so it's, it's, it's scary. And so we have to address mental health, the first and foremost. So mm-hmm. people can function. People can go back to work and, 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 and go into a, a theater and watch a, a play or a movie or go to a comedy show. We need to sort of make people feel safe, you know, when, when it is safe. And that's sure. going to be a problem. That I think will be, uh, I think we're going to lose a lot of people in, that would normally come to a live performance because of, of the situation.
1: Now, so. Stacey, I know that, and, and we agree with everything you said about people really suffering, and they're going to have a really hard time. Because I know even now in our state, they're going to slowly start loosening things up by the end of the month, and people are going to be afraid. People are going to be scared. <clears throat> and I know that you are a public speaker. And there are many topics that are very close to your heart and things that you're very passionate about. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of those topics and some of the things sure. that you've spoken publicly? Because I know they're, they're very close to your heart. Sure. Um, I speak on eating disorders
2: and um, my experience with eating disorder and how I overcame my eating disorder. And I, I, I lecture around the country. I've done lectures at hospitals, at mostly colleges, at um, treatment centers, and addiction places of addiction talk about eating disorders and actually in drug rehabs i've spoken about eating disorders and and what happens is a lot of addictions across they cross addicts so people will get off drugs and become you know someone with an eating disorder so mm-hmm. eating disorders are one of my passions ending them <laughs> is one of my passions of yeah. uh
1: yeah
2: like ending yeah. covid um yeah so that's one of my passions um and i also have another uh speech i do about which was secondary after I recovered and I was doing lectures on eating disorders. I realized that, all right, not everyone is going to have a full fledged eating disorder and relate, but people have stress. And they, so I did another one from binging from burnout to binging to balance. Mm. So like just finding balance, like people use food or drugs. They use things as like a, an escape. And I was doing a lecture on how to combat these, creating a better life for yourself. And so you don't have a a eating disorder or you can, prevent an eating disorder or an addiction. So addiction and eating disorders are one of my passions, definitely. And I, and I'd love to speak to people about it. And, and it's so interesting. I've, I've, I've spoken in every population and it's, there's always, there's so all commonalities, so many commonalities in the human existence
1: mm-hmm.
2: of, of how stress and life and uh and depression and, and anxiety all, all add up to having an addiction or having an eating disorder of some sort. Mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously trauma, but it's like, so we're coming out of a traumatic situation right now. Yep. So I'm wondering how that will manifest itself um, gonna, in the next there's few be months. A lot,
0: there's going to be a lot to fix. and And it's this, if we look at 1918, this could be a year and a half to two year thing, especially yeah. with our government kind of, saying, let's mm-hmm. see what happens. We don't have anybody tested, not enough testing. It's going to be really interesting. But a real quick thing before I give Stacy the last word is that I think a big problem in America is we hate change. And we just want the same old Republicans, same old Democrats, and you guys put yourself in boxes, and someone could be a serial killer, but if they belong to your political party, you defend them. And and we all do that to a point, but it's time that we get new voices into office, time that we get new blood. Someone said, oh, well, she doesn't have any experience. That's good. I want people in there with new ideas. I want people yeah. in there that is not going to play politics, that's not going to play favorites. And people can laugh, but look at Jesse Ventura in Minnesota when people made fun of him when he ran and he won the governorship there on purely ground roots. And this is what I'm saying with a lot of our people that we see these political things oh, I defend the president. Oh, I defend Fauci. I defend this. You got to defend America. You're American, sports. right? You're, that's so why, I don't understand
2: why people are becoming sycophants. fans. I, I said this. Yeah. I said I don't want people to sycophant fan politicians. You know, even me. T- you know, call me out on my crap, and I will. You know, I will try to change something if I'm doing something that I feel, you know, is ineffective. Being an effective leader is listening to the people. I'm not defending person. I'm defending America. I want America to be amazing. Yeah. I don't. I mean, people want. You know, every politician says we want. They. This is so interesting because you said people don't like change. You know what, they're not, we're not, people, uh, the human race wants change. They think theoretically, but they're not able to adjust to change. Yeah. People are, we live in a society where people are very patterned. They do the same thing every day, pretty mm-hmm. much. They have, they go to work, they eat their, they take their coffee at a certain place, and that's fine. And if you switch people up a little bit, they get a little bit freaked out, you yep. know? So people want change theoretically. Can they handle change? That's another thing.
0: Yeah, I so, agree. I, yeah, totally. I,
2: You know, people want the beast that they know, not the one they don't know.
0: That's what Florence always tells me, and I think that this is why, though I always tell our staff or I tell people, I say, if you want true success, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to do things. You got to be evolving. I remember if you look at Medicare, my issues when I had with Medicare, they told me once, why Why do you want to use computers so much? Why do you want – I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the 21st century. I mean, this is how our government's run. Oh it's God. run 10 yeah. to 20 years past, and no one wants change. No one wants, oh, my God, it'll be too different. Too. I mean, I've seen some people that change their cable company and you you would have thought their life had been ruined i mean it's that's time that we you say
2: yeah. that yes i haven't yes i saw that i could get my mom to change the cable company to save my, her money was imp- like literally like pulling teeth it was like just, <laughs> oh, you're going to the- don't, yeah. do that
1: now don't be mine. afraid to
2: change you know like I and get you can florence, always change again and again i mean change that's, right. that's the thing I, like nothing you're not stuck into anything you, you I can make always florence change.
0: insane. i make florence insane i'll go try this she'll go oh my gosh you know i go try this <laughs> this is something new i'm um, like i like the other you know it's and it's so fun because i just want the best way and i want the best person making the decisions and also we get this weirdness that everyone has to agree with you, Stacy. No, agree with her in most things. There's if you agree with Stacy in every way, you're either a relative or scary or stalker. <laughs> don't you're not going to believe. Don't. Yeah, there's going to be some things you don't agree with her, but don't make that the emphasis of voting for her or Just, not.
2: Right. Look
0: at look at her foundation, and that's what you vote for.
2: Well, vote. You know, like I. Let's say you disagree with me, and I. Let's say I'm I'm one way on an issue, and you're another way let's talk about it. Maybe there's a middle ground and then more people will come on board. Like, that's how I believe that people, we can find a, there's always a way, you know, that's how we built this country. You know, we had founding fathers come together and they wrote the constitution. I mean, that's, it was, they, they were brilliant I mean they came together I'm sure they just agreed on a lot of things and then they wrote this constitution that we we have. Um, there's been amendments and stuff you know as time goes on and but I think that's what we need we need great minds thinking together and getting the best result you know the no C more words. politics it's about yeah. results and minds coming together and need and getting the needs of the people met. To the best of our abilities, that's what a politician is. That's what a leader is.
0: Yep, compromise. And that's what we- Compromise,
2: and the word change is so vague. And be willing to make change when needed. Yeah. That's the key. Make change when needed. Be flexible, you know, when it has to be done. And, and not be like, not stick to the party or not stick to the, the politician, yeah. but stick to the issue and be able to be flexible because, you know, things change at the drop of the hat. Look what happened. In a month, the whole world changed. In a one month, higher world change. Yep. And if you're not flexible and able to change yourself and your being, then you're not going to be able to survive on Earth. <laughs> Never mind in the city or whatever you need to be flexible as a human so change is important but be able to get yourself ready to make change mm-hmm. um and and be uh someone who is active be an activist as well you know yep. state your issues don't just be a person that sits there and complains do something about it yep. you know that's what i
0: I think that harry truman said it best he said a president or a leader of any company or anything has to have the ability to the ability to be unpopular. You're going to make decisions that not all your followers are going to like, but you have to make decisions that's best for the whole. And Stacy, I think I love what you say. I love your, your foundation of what your thoughts are. You get the last word. Why should someone vote for you for mayor next year?
2: Vote for me because I'm going to make and help make the city a better place to live. I'm going to make you, I want to make people happier. <laughs> I know that sounds very, you know, crazy, but I want a happier city. I want a more functional city. I want a city where we could smile at each other, and not be so grumbly, but be also angry too when things aren't going well. Yeah. I want a city that works better, I you know, agree. whatever that means. And that can mean something different in a year from now because we don't know what's going to happen. So I want a city of people that are, are, are less stressed and that things are working more smoothly and they're, they're getting uh, a gr- great education and the, and the MTA is working as best as it can and that we get as many homeless people off the streets as possible. And your benefit, your unemployment benefits, if you get laid off, come through quickly and if you um need assistance finding jobs we, we can help you do that you know you can we can get education should be before and foremost trade and you know intellectual education it's all important so i, I really think you know we need to we, we need to really step up we need to step up as the city right now and uh, and just be be the big apple that it's meant to be the diverse beautiful delicious
1: juicy apple that it's meant <laughs> to be <laughs> Because Apple day keeps the, way the doctor away. That's right. <laughs> I love the way you put that, and we just want to thank you for coming on the forum today. This was this was fantastic, and we are so excited about your run for mayor for New York City. Thank, and thank we you. Stacey is amazing, and we think that you would do an amazing an amazing job. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank today. you so much really for having appreciate me. It.
2: And and. Uh, this has been a wonderful time. I'm so glad I finally got to speak with you, and I'm I love your show, and I think this is awesome. Thank you so much for having me and letting me be a voice on your show.
0: Well, you're very kind, Stacey. Thank you. We're such a fan of your work and of all the things that you do. And we're very excited about next year. Is your site up yet for your election?
2: It should be. Um, it's just about up. Um, I'm going to call my web designer in a minute, <laughs> and I'm going to make sure uh, I have the domain. Name uh, up, and I'll I'll give that to you guys. I think it's Pressman for Maya NYC Twenty One. I think it's something I we went. We I'm gonna probably buy that one as well, but we we're just thinking we're buying all the different domains right now. So okay. <laughs> well, when it's for- out,
0: we'll, we'll share it for sure. And also last thing, you guys, Stacy has done so much for so many people, her heart, she has a heart of gold. She's really reaches out to a lot of people. And these are the times when we need to support people. And we're going to release her Patreon account next week. And she almost, a lot of people have done that, and they almost feel guilty. But let's, let's show appreciation. Even if 100 people give 2 or $3, that means a lot. And it shows an appreciation for all the work they've done. And let's not just appreciate them when times are good. These are the times when we really miss them and appreciate them because they can't do their thing. I love stand-up comedy. I wish I had that talent. I don't. And they, they're amazing talents, and they just work their butts off. So let's show her a lot of appreciation in the next couple weeks, too, and show her a lot of love. And you don't have to give a million dollars just a couple dollars i mean would be a big deal so please support her appreciate you stacy anytime you thank want to you come so on much. you come on I
2: appreciate it well, yes. well as I run I might want to come on more often so
0: <laughs> <laughs> anytime you you got an open door policy so take care thank you to all to listen to this i hope you enjoyed it as much as we have and stay safe and stay sane with yeah. all the stuff that's going on take care everyone
1: take care bye- bye